What up, bros? I said, what up, bros? Yo, what up, bros? Everybody out there, yo, what up, bros? I was not expecting it. A genre change. <laughs> you, you know what? I, I have a lot of time on my hands. I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you know what? I think we all do. Have you been... Did you see the TikTok I sent you? Of, like, people just singing and dancing? Yes. To um, 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 Hercules? Oh, the Hercules one was so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. I was just like, wow, that's a lot of time. Well, a lot of people have time. <laughs> I mean, that. at least people are finding ways to be creative and fun with it. I mean, I'm not against it. We all have to deal with this in our own way. Absolutely. You know, sometimes TikTok just helps you get through a pandemic, you know? I'm literally, like, I'm against anyone ragging on anyone's interest at this time. Personally, I'm like, if it's not for you, that's fine. But don't, like, come for somebody because they are into something that you don't like and that's what's getting them through this time, you know? Totally. Totally. Um, so anyway, this episode, I have thoughts. <laughs> you know what? Okay, so I don't know if you've noticed this, but this show has been doing really good at balancing uh, between their what's clearly a ratings pool episode, like this clearly was. This was something that I I feel like I can even remember seeing the promotions for this episode about how, you know, Corey was going to be at a wrestling match for WWF and just like how exciting it all was. And it was all commercials. And that's how I remember the singled out episode being, too. And this just feels like, you know, we had a really intense episode last week with the Dangerous Secret. And now it's like, hey, we got to lighten it up a bit. Yeah, you know, I was going to I'm glad you mentioned it because I was going to point out that this feels like another rating splits or another way to like recruit or what cross promo uh boy meets world with whatever they think the target demographic is watching at this time and i i feel like we've talked about this before in the griff episode but this show has a relationship with wrestling and it's it's one that I feel like we're going to see again even because i think the wrestler mankind shows up in like to Eric and Jack at some point. All right. So I feel like there's a writer on staff who's like a fan of wrestling and that peppers it in every now and then. So you're saying this is what baseball was in season one? Yes, it does feel like that. It feels like this. It was interesting that Corey was just like super into this and we had never heard him be super into this. Yeah, exactly. That's my point. It's like he just had an entrance out of nowhere. I remember WWE being a really big thing at this time. So it just felt like it was more... Where are the teens at? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. This is like another thing, like singled out was like this pool for the MTV generation. And now it feels like there's a, a pool for this wrestling demographic. And, you know, these kind of like, how can we incorporate whatever's popular into the show? But I got to say, I still feel like they do it pretty well. I will say. All right. You know what? Let's get into the tell me about it. Tell me about it. Topanga's got a huge milestone. 
Frankie wants his dad to love him. Corey feels like Fred Flintstone. You know what? You did good. I'm happy for you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This is season four, episode nine. 16 candles and 400 pound men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Frankie seeks Corey and Sean's help to earn the love of his father, Vader, when Vader wrestles Jake the Snake at a WWF match. However, the match takes place at the same time as Topanga's Sweet 16, forcing Corey, who wants everyone to love him, to both help a friend and celebrate his girlfriend's birthday at the same time. First of all, this episode was written by Matthew Nelson, the same person who wrote Fishing for Verna, and I did, like, the moment we brought up Frankie's unrequited love being the love for his from his father. I was like, "Oh, that's deep. That's a whole other like." It's super deep. I thought, okay, there was a part of this episode that kind of felt a little meta, self-referential, community-like, yeah. and it was when they're watching the Flintstone episode, and Corey's like, "Oh, this is just a sitcom," and Sean's like, "No, bro, it's it's the same," and it was just like them saying, "Like, hey, we're gonna do this trope that's been done, but we're gonna like we're acknowledging that we're gonna do it, and we're gonna add our own twist to it." And I just thought it was seems like it's something they were having a lot of fun with. Yeah, no, I thought it was fun, but I also thought that the Matthew Nelson fishing for Von- Verna parental love and approval aspect of the episode gave it some weight wanting a parent's love and not getting it and trying to seek out ways to connect with your parents that was just like a heaviness that i wasn't expecting from this episode about wrestlers and i thought they did a good job i'm not sure if it carried the weight all the way to the end this is very interesting because you're making me examine this wrestling storyline from a whole deeper perspective because you're right. It's interesting the way they lay it out because at first, Frankie's like, I have an unrequited love and Corey thinks it's just a girl at school. And he's like, oh, we can just help you with this girl. Kind of like what they did in the Harley's girlfriend episode where Frankie had a crush on Harley's girlfriend. He thought it was just going to be like the same old, same old shenanigans. Absolutely. So did I. And here comes the twist. It's about his dad, which you're right. There's a whole way to that. My problem is that Frankie's dad diminished all the weight. Like the emotional sincerity that Frankie brought to this, his dad is such a cartoon that it, to me, took the levity out of the situation for me. I agree. This is why I said I don't think they carried it all the way because I feel like Frankie sincerely wanting to connect with his father so much so to where Corey can understand why Frankie would feel like his father doesn't care about him. It's so palpable in that room that Corey can feel it and identifies it. I think that that's pretty big. And I feel like that is something a lot of teenagers could connect with. You know, wanting to be their own individuals, having their own interests, but also wanting to make their parents proud and wanting to connect with their parents. I love that we brought that up. And I thought that we were going to a very interesting place by doing it. But considering the second half of the episode is just a wrestling match that is comedic, I'm like, Boy Meets World doing what it does best, bringing up a great idea and then dropping it without really resolve. 
Well, it was the visual representation of the emotional wrestling match between Frankie and his father. <laughs> okay, I have so much I want to talk about. Just to kind of like mention it for our roll call, we don't really get any new characters. We've met Vader before. We've met Herman before. We do get the WWE um, kind of peripherally with Jake the Snake and Brother Love and Earl Herbner, like this, no, no, I I have to correct you. It was not WWE then. It was still WWF. WWF. Sorry, we have those guest stars, if you can call them that, but they don't really have any plot or any lines other than what we see in the wrestling match. Do you know who Little Dicky is? Yes. Okay, so in the Little Dicky music video, say that save that money. Yes. One of the ways that he saves money is by filming his music video while T-Pain films his music video in the background. So he's just stealing a lot of the shots. This feels like Boy Meets World did that. It Absolutely. feels like that they just stole a bunch of wrestling shots that they got from like a, a, a Monday Night Raw or some shit and just like edited the footage in such a way that they could twist it for their storyline. Yep, that's exactly how I felt about it. Um, Can we talk about Frankie, just his dad for a second? Because like... It's really interesting whose parents were allowed to meet on the show. You know what I mean? I think at this point, we haven't even met Topanga's mom yet. No, we don't even get her name right now. She just refers to her mom. So we don't get her mom. We get Sean's parents, but they like just came into the picture. And now we're getting Frankie's dad, who we have met before, admittedly. But now we're like, we're in a new set. Like they rebuilt Sean's set into their set, clearly. But it's still like they took the time to establish the world that Frankie lives in. And it's it's really interesting um, to me that his dad is like this famous wrestler who's like trying to get in the Madison Square Garden for, you know, the, the championship. Yeah, he still lives right next to Sean Hunter. Yeah. What are they saying about the, like, how athletes are treated uh, from, uh, you know, an economy class perspective that he is still in the trailer park right next to Sean. I don't know if that's so much their commentary on athletes um, and the wrestling industry, even though there is some truth to that. Like if you've ever seen The Wrestler. Or anyone who's ever worked for Vince McMahon. Yeah, exactly. I think you understand that you're not exactly making a lot of money and it's very possible to still be low income while being famous. But... I think that there is just this association with wrestling being low class. So I don't think they were making a comment that this wrestler is trying to work his way and earn a living, but still is in poverty. I think he's a wrestler, so therefore he is low income. Does that make sense? Can I throw out a theory? Yeah. I think it's pretty evident that Frankie's dad has a raging Coke problem. Um, <laughs> he is constantly yelling and at an 11 all the time. I would believe steroids. I mean, like, that's something that's definitely in line with the wrestling industry. Can you imagine living with a grown man who barks? <laughs> and I can understand Frankie, who is this sweet soul, being very intimidated by his father. I think it's very believable frankie's position it's just it's acknowledged and then used for comedy which i don't love 
I wonder if, and again, like we're getting deep into Frankie's family, but Boy Meets World opened the door to his home. So like we can ask these questions. I wonder if Frankie's issues with his dad are contributing to Frankie's weight issues, which obviously like Ethan Supply, the actor who plays Frankie is in incredible shape now. But I wonder if that's something, a link that's somehow there, like his health, the way he views himself is somehow diminished with his self-esteem issues by his father. And like all of that, like soft-spoken, meek demeanor is from his dad, like emotionally beating this kid and barking at him his whole damn life. I, I'm laughing because, first of all, I'm sure they never even thought this deep into it, you know, like the psychology <laughs> of Frankie's family. But you're right. I think that Frankie being this big, first of all, they show us not only is Frankie large, but his father's large and even his little brother, Herman, who we've met before, is large. Um, it's kind of showing how the father's habits bleed into the other two sons. As you were saying, there's no doubt in my mind that Frankie gains weight not only because his father – prizes being masculine and large um which you know he's already trying to get herman to follow in his footsteps his but, father says to him at one point you could have been someone you could have been a sumo yeah exactly so it's kind of like his in a way his father fattening him up i could see that happening but at the but to your credit, I agree that there's also probably something there about self-esteem and just not being able to get his father's attention and love and maybe trying to earn it by making himself larger. Can I ask this question now that we're diving into Frankie's emotional abuse and how that's manifested in his life? Um, when we were first introduced to Frankie, there was some speculation if he were on the low. How do you feel about <laughs> that now? Um, I could see it. I don't think it's really prominent here. Like, I don't think, I don't, especially since Frankie is just sensitive and, you know, he's into poetry and all this other stuff. I don't think that equates to homosexuality. No, I'm saying that if he were, he's in an environment where he absolutely couldn't publicly be like, this is who I be. Agreed. I completely agree with that. Also, as someone who was large in high school, I would say it is kind of a defense mechanism. You know, like not everyone has that issue. But for Frankie, I could see him definitely being this large personality and this, known as, quote unquote, the big guy, simply as a way of protecting his very sensitive self. Well, we've even seen on this show alone multiple multiple people use frankie for his size as frankie the enforcer and see like you know what they can personally benefit from his size so you know it's it's one of those things where i'm sure he's benefited from it but clearly it's a it's a thing that's a double-edged sword yeah because i love that the show really goes in on frankie's love of poetry and his artistic talents um he gets called out in class today for being able to interpret the poem that Corey reads. And I think that that's important. Not only does it flesh out his character, but it really does explain um, 
this duality of like wanting to be loved, but also the distance that comes with size, I guess is what I'm saying. And I think they also just once again are doing a fantastic job at making you uh, care about people who on surface you may not typically care about. A guy who, you know, lives in the trailer and abandons his son or a 300 pound 15 year old who's beating up seventh graders. Like they flesh them out and they give us their whole perspective of the world why they are the way they are it's it feels like watching an orange is the new black episode like they're doing so well with this can we speaking of like they do this really well but i want to talk about the wrestling match during the dance you know like i want to talk about the being in two places at once uh storyline a hundred percent let's go for it Corey has to you know he watches the flintstone episode and he's like all right we're gonna be in two places at once we can do this sean's gonna help me they figure out that according to sean's plan if he spends like 75 seconds at each place going back and forth that's the best approach to take do you agree with that logic or do you disagree with that logic? well not only do i disagree with that logic because as the show, as Corey points out from the very beginning, it's not going to work. Um, TV shows are able to kind of bend with time, and that would not work just logistically going back and forth. But from what we see, Corey spends most of his time at the wrestling match and very little time with Topanga. And that's what made me upset. It's like, you're not doing a 50 50 split here. We see you count 75 seconds continuously when you're at Topanga's shindig, but we also see you spend more than enough time at the wrestling mat. A hundred percent. Okay, so not only does he, uh, you know, forget to keep track of time when he's with Frankie and not Topanga, but he is continuously providing Frankie the thing that he asked Corey for, which is advice. Even though Corey shows up late, he's like, hey, tell your dad to do this next. And he, you know, helps the match he does the thing that he promised frankie he would do on topanga's end she's like hey you know what i i didn't think i cared about this dance i'm realizing it means more than me than i thought there's one song that i really want you to be there for to dance with me at guess who where Corey is with that song place not with topanga yeah and i was like i have a problem with the end because i want to talk about uh, how they solve, quote-unquote, solve this issue. But just when we're talking about being in two places at once and the whole storyline, I feel like it's for a sitcom. It, you know, it is it is what it is. They even acknowledge that this is a trope. I'll give it that. But most of the time, these issues could just be solved by communication. Hey, Topanga, I'm going to spend the first 15 minutes of your party at another location, I'll make sure to be there um, and we can have our dance. Or, you know what, Frankie? I'm going to be watching from Topanga's party because we see that the wrestling match is on. You know, like, Sean will come every 15 minutes and I'll give you advice. Like, there are ways to do this and be present for your girlfriend, but they just kind of give Corey a pass because his intentions were good. Okay, so I have to, like, literally, I have to talk about the fact that a cell phone could have just solved this whole thing, right? <laughs> yeah, I did think right? about that. Right? Like, yeah. te- uh, like, text messaging would have negated this entire storyline. Yes. Um, I love the two places at one storyline. I have to say, as a kid, I love this episode. I still think it's a lot of fun to watch. But... 
Corey don't owe shit to Frankie. You know what I mean? Like, Frankie's his friend, but it's his girlfriend's Sweet 16 party. And that's why I thought, like, oh, he really kind of stiffed a panga. But at the beginning of this podcast, you were like, hey, emotionally, Frankie is doing something that's much deeper than a party. So do you think that Corey made the right choice in choosing to emotionally support Frankie that evening and not Topanga? Or do you think he made the wrong choice? Because it's interesting. I think Corey made the wrong choice all around. I feel like he didn't handle this in any way that would have been beneficial to both parties. Because one thing I've learned as I've grown up, and I think is something you have to learn as you get older is that trying to please everyone will please nobody. You know what I mean? And they kind of hint at it a little bit when Frankie's getting upset and Corey's advice isn't really helping him. And Corey's not there when he needs. And then he misses Topanga's dance, you know, like they're hitting on the fact that being trying to please everyone doesn't please anybody. However, in the end, he does end up helping Frankie and then he spends time with Frankie and they celebrate. And Topanga is completely left, not only having missed her dance, but she apparently gets upset enough to send everyone home. Well, I imagine that the dance, just her her party just ended, and she was just sitting around heartbroken that her boyfriend fucking ditched her on national television. Can you imagine going to school the next day and just being like, you're not going to believe this shit. Topanga was at her own dance, and her boyfriend didn't show up, and look over, he's on the damn TV. Like, it's tea, bro. It's like serious (laughs) high school tea. Yeah, no, I agree. It was very weird to me because why would Corey not just stay for the dance? You know what I mean? Like, how could you not just tell Tobinga, hey, can we do the dance now? Or, you know, there are ways he could have sent Sean back again, as we saw that it's playing on the television. So he could have sent Sean back and said, hey, you go. I have to dance with Tobinga. I don't feel like Topanga was given her due as a main character and as a female who we're supposed to care about. We literally see Corey put her secondary, and their resolution to that is a grand gesture. And we know that grand gestures are not enough. It's so interesting, too, watching it from this perspective of being, like, 32 years old, grown-ass man, thinking, like, wow, Topanga really glossed over that really simply yeah uh once again for like the 15th time we've seen topanga just forgive Corey. like nothing happened oh you kissed some girl well did she kiss you like this like what the fuck is this this isn't how women behave the reason why that's destructive is because we see both in this episode and throughout the history of boy meets world that there is an understanding that people learn through television that is kind of the premise of boy meets world in this episode alone we see Corey uh and sean use television as example examples of what to do in real life so to show the female character just getting over it or the boyfriend kind of dismissing and putting his girlfriend secondary but being able to make up for missing kind of like a once in a lifetime thing because her she wanted to mimic what her parents did it wasn't just the dance it was being able to dance with her boyfriend at her sweet 16 just like her father had done we recreate the dance but it's not the same and I feel like that's dismissive I agree with literally all of that but it's such an iconic moment to see Corey and Topanga dancing in that wrestling ring I never disagree with you you and I have this problem where I'm always like 
the subject itself is wrong. And you're like, yeah, but it's pretty or it's memorable. And I'm like, I'm not disagreeing that it's The nostalgia (laughs) of it. And it's such a cute, like, little, like, rom-com movie ending when Sean and Frankie are watching them and they're like, so, man, what do you you think these two are going to do in the ring? And, like, Sean's like, oh, they're going to go the distance. I don't know. It just felt like it was, like, a little cute... uh, moment cementing Corey and Topanga as this like undying romance even though that was the most romantic moment that happened in the entire episode and it wasn't even between Corey and Topanga so for me it was an example for how important their love is to Sean yes you know and I I took that moment for us to get that moment with Sean the moment isn't between Corey and Topanga as you pointed out it is Sean's viewing of this moment that makes it so iconic and the fact that we also get to witness it so Corey and Topanga's love is important to believe in but it's not necessarily the healthy to be in I will say that Topanga does seem to like appreciate the gesture and I know it's the same thing of him following her to Florida. Like it's she's always appreciating the gesture, and sometimes that's the problem. But it doesn't seem like she's upset with the outcome of it. And that to me is the problem. As you said, when we show Topanga's wants and needs being dismissed, being overlooked, I mean, as she said, she's like, I know you have a good reason. So I'm gonna give you the benefit of the doubt. Tell me your good reason. But that doesn't negate the fact that he missed a very important party. The one thing she asked him for. And it's literally the one thing she asked him for. And as you and I have discussed, there it is not like there isn't there wasn't another way around it. It's not like Corey had to be the one to be at the uh, wrestling match. You're telling me they couldn't have a ring size aside phone. Yo, this this. I have to talk about something else with this episode that drives me fucking bananas, which is that this show posits that this professional wrestler cannot win a match without a 15-year-old boy whispering tips into his ear. Are you kidding me? Is this how he's become a professional? Is this what (laughs) we're led to believe? In my mythology for this episode, Vader understood his son was trying. Because remember, especially everything that we know about wrestling, it's all a setup. It's all things that are important and that makes a good storyline. Sure. Everything we know about wrestling, how the announcers will give name drops to wrestlers' kids and their friends from high school happens all the time. Well, that's what I'm saying. That doesn't (laughs) happen just on view. That happens if it's part of the script. And I felt like Vader thought that that would be a good storyline for his character. And that's the mythology that I'm going with is that Vader went behind the scenes. He spoke to some people. He had, he's like, Hey, my son's going to be there. He's going to be giving me tips and we're going to really play that up. It's a really great father angle. And my, it can get my son into the family business. So to speak. that's literally the only thing that can explain a wrestling match taking breaks for long dialogue exchanges between Frankie and his dad, middle of the game. If this were a wrestling match, Frankie would have got pulled in, he would have got hit in the head with the fucking table or some shit, and then the rest would have continued. I don't know what all the dramatics and the conversations were, but that's not wrestling that I ever saw on TV. So it must have been incorporated into the storyline somehow. It had to be incorporated into the storyline. I feel like it's one of those things where... Children, of course, don't understand the 
complexities or the uh, the links their parents go or just how aware their parents are, you know? Vader was just letting his son share in the experience. I mean, I and I actually thought it was a good payoff. Like I said, Vader to me does not bring a ton of emotional nuance to the show, but the fact that there did seem to be in a half hour period a completely believable evolution between their relationship in which they appreciate each other and form a fondness through sheer love of father and son. Like it's it's a beautiful story and Boy Meets World I think did it as well as they could have with the storyline they were given. Yeah. Because if I feel like if Saved by the Bell got a note to include wrestling in uh, a WWF situation, it would have been something else completely with no uh, depth whatsoever. So I just, I, I think we just have to remember, even though this was a clear ratings grab, that it seemed like they were trying to make a decent meal out of it. Do you think that this episode has two storylines, an A and a B story, or is it just one storyline that's intertwined? I think it's one storyline that's intertwined. Like, there's no other objective other than trying to get to the rest of the match. One of the main grievances we tend to have with Boy Meets World is that their A and B storylines don't really connect with with one another. And I do feel like they, as far as checking all the boxes, clearly there are some that were left empty. Um, but as far as just like making sure all the characters had a relatable journey um, that was satisfying to watch, I felt like that was accomplished. Yeah, and we don't even use that many characters unless they're needed. Like we do get Turner with his new haircut. For a little bit, with the haircut. Yes. Um, I don't like the haircut. So here's the thing at first glance, I like to say haircut. But then when he got closer, I was like, ooh, it's kind of looking like your hair's a little thin there, buddy. So I was turned on by Turner. And then I was just intrigued. The whole (laughs) thing about Turner is that he was supposed to be like the Sean of teachers. And they just made him like the Corey of teachers. We got all of this insight into Turner and his backstory and being raised by rich parents and having the one that got away. And we never returned to any of that. Like, it would make sense if we knew that like, oh, his haircut kind of goes with this more conservative thing because maybe he's in a serious relationship or maybe there's something else going on in his life. We don't know. We're not privy to any of that anymore. They just don't always give him the weight that they could or like a line or two that would acknowledge he is talking to Sean when Sean's sleeping in class as someone who used to have to go through this with Sean every morning. It's also interesting that this is yet another example of Sean expressing hatred for poetry, yet later on us finding out that Sean actually has a deep love of poetry. Boy Meets World is... Nothing if not inconsistent with their inconsistencies. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do you have any other uh, things about this episode you want to talk about? Uh, No, that's pretty much it. What is your bra moment? So my bra moment was actually, thank you. Um, There is this time where Sean says, the only thing I know about wrestling is when I'm playing Twister with the McCleskey triplets. What are we saying here? It sounds like he found some incestuous sisters who were all down the clown. Exactly. And I was like, this is clearly, of course, male fantasy writing. 
This um, is not the first time we've heard Sean express interest in twins or triplets or women who look alike. Like, it's a kind of a creepy fetish, I right? was going to say, it's not even like they were twins. It's the McCluskey triplets. So, what are we doing here? What's going on? I don't know. Uh, that was just my moment where I was like, what? What are we talking about? <laughs> Dude. All right. Never mind. Let's, let's move on. <laughs> Well, how about you? Any bra moment? The bra moment I had was just the obvious bra moment of Topanga being like, hey, wait right here. I'm going to tell the DJ to turn the song on and him just peacing out. <laughs> yeah. What grade are you giving this episode? I'm giving this grade a – I'm giving this episode a B plus. The reason why I think it gets a B plus is because I do feel like they did some really complex stuff really well. Um, I think it's a really fun episode to watch. I love that they're playing on the whole Flintstones, two places at once thing. But as we've talked about, the way they treat Topanga just wasn't great. Um, but for just the, again, the the fond memories I have of it, I'm giving it a B plus. Yeah, same. B plus uh, is what I'm going to hey. give it. I think it's a good episode for everything it tries. Um, it just wasn't done well enough. It doesn't stick with anything well enough to be an A. What do you think was the Feeny lesson? I think the Feeny lesson is you can't please everybody. Or maybe that's what I wanted the Feeny lesson to be. I don't know. But I was very much like you, like they keep bringing up the fact that Corey just wants to be liked by everyone. And that's why he agrees to this. And it's like, you can't do that and satisfy everyone. You're going to disappoint someone. Well, I think the lesson that we are supposed to walk away with is Frankie's lesson that he learns that the best support that he could give his father is not expert advice in his field, but simply just, you know, the pure love of his son. Um, however, you're right. Corey doesn't seem to learn anything in this episode. So um, <laughs> I don't know if we're supposed to walk away with his lesson or Frankie's. Um, so yeah, that was the, that was the episode. Homework. What do you got? Homework. Okay. Well, um, earlier I had mentioned the rapper Lil Dicky. Yes. Um, he has a sitcom that I've been watching on Hulu, um, called Dave, and um, it's pretty good. I I have to say, like, this dude is extremely creative. I I'm a big fan of lyrical hip hop, and he is so sharp and on point when he comes with like just rapping lyrically. But just for him to also have this like almost curb your enthusiasm show about hip hop is just really interesting in its own right and awkward and you know uh just if, if yeah if if larry david made atlanta this would is what the show would be so um i would suggest it to people if they have nothing else better to do during quarantine it's so funny that you say that because i always felt like dave gave me um atlanta vibes so from the trailers that I've seen, yeah, and the Larry David aspect of it just makes more sense. So yeah, I, I really like that synopsis. It's funny, but it does get into like there is a depth to these episodes about you know exposing the things that make you insecure and how he doesn't have the you know the machismo to to brag about this and that the way other rappers do and so how he has to kind of think more creatively it's so i, I it's a very interesting take on on rap music too okay cool um so the scene where topanga and cory dance at the end of the episode of this episode the music from that the the final scene 
um, is very it ties into my homework, which is the documentary Twenty Feet from Stardom. Do you know anything about that? Love it, bro. Dude, I watched that and I was blown away. Uh, for our listeners who don't know, Twenty Feet from Stardom is about the backup singers. I would say throughout pop history, kind of like the unknown heroes of pop music who they themselves never were able to like cross over and be superstars, but they are on almost all of the music you know and love. And just learning the history of this and the fact that it's not even that old, like people like Darlene Love and Mary Clayton. Darlene Love is one of my favorite takeaways from that documentary because I didn't know who Darlene Love before, uh, who was before, but I absolutely know her now and her voice is inescapable. She also sings Be My Baby, which is one of my favorite pop songs of all She's time. On every- Darlene Love is on everything. Like, I was listening to the tracks that she's a part of and I was talking to my boyfriend. I was like, oh, it turns out I'm a Darlene Love fan. Like, you know, it's like I'm a Mary Clayton fan. There's all this music that I've always loved most of my life. And I had no idea that the common thread were like two or three women who are just in the background. So before I saw this documentary, the only thing I knew about Darlene Love was that she played Danny Glover's wife in the Lead the Weapon movies. And nothing was more fascinating to me than finding out that she had such an incredible backstory. This actress that I had seen throughout my life in this movie series as just a side character, never knowing that she had such a fascinating musical history. It's, it's a great documentary. Dude, they talk about the fact that most rock music they were trying to get the sound of the doo-wop. Like, they they acknowledge it. It's like the sound that they were trying to get was Black Youth. Like, that's what, like, the Rolling Stones and... Um, the Beatles, all that Beatles, shit. Beatles, yeah. all of them were trying to do. And it's amazing to see... Steve, if you're trying to tell me that White <laughs> stole rock from us, I'm not going to argue. It's not just that they stole it from us, which is important, but just to understand and see how deep these women's hands have been in pop music and how little we know about them and how talented they are like truly like amazing voices it is it was just amazing to me so anyway that's my recommendation um i was really excited to watch it and share it and then listening to the music at the end really kind of all brought it back in so that's my homework all right um anything else no no um just quarantine it still yeah okay um i only was like brushing off because i was like i don't know if everyone will still be in quarantine by the time this is released but uh, are you kidding me Uh, (laughs) if i don't know when this is going to be released we're recording during quarantine but i'm willing to bet a good nickel that we're still in quarantine i'll tell you what i will leave this in if we are still in quarantine and if we're not then i will edit it out so if you're listening to this Sorry, you're still inside. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Thank you guys for listening to Brown Meets World. Uh, Remember to leave us a rating. As uh, we've been mentioning, we love to hear back from you. So message us at Brown Meets World on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can also send us an email at BrownMeetsWorld at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at Extra Siege. That's X-T-R-A-C-E-E-J-T-C. You can find me on Instagram at a braver me at dot braver dot me. And guys, we're we're serious about this. We want to know how you feel. 
did Corey make the right choice in sticking with Frankie and ensuring that his father be crowned victor? Should he have gone to Topanga's side? Should Turner grow his hair back out? We <laughs> want to know what you think and feel. All right. Thank you guys so much. Uh, remember to dream. Try. And do good. Later, bros. Later, bros. Thank <laughs> you.